0: Music
1: Welcome to First Parish in Concord on this beautiful Sunday morning. We are so glad that you are joining us from wherever you are, whatever living room or kitchen you're sitting in. And we are so excited that there are so many members of First Parish in Concord who are here and also lots of other people are joining us. This is an amazing time because it doesn't matter where you are, you can still join in under this platform. So we have folks from different states, people who have been part of First Parish before. In fact, I expect that we will have some folks who are joining us from around the world soon. So welcome to First Parish in Concord on this Sunday morning. You are welcome here and we're glad that you have joined us. We decided this last week that we may as well just do Easter and do the whole darn thing because the world is a little crazy right now and these old, old stories Are balm to many of us and it will seem like it's just a little bit of normalcy to have the Easter story again. So we're doing Passover, we're doing Easter, we're gonna do the whole McGillicuddy and we hope you'll be along for the ride. We um, have had a couple of things that we have learned this week. Uh, We have learned that there are such things as internet trolls and we want to assure you that we have Uh, really tightened up our controls on both the webinars and on the meetings that we're doing on Zoom. We've taken this threat quite seriously. And so um, if something happens, uh, your church staff is prepared to take care of that and to keep all of us safe in this format and in the meeting formats. I think that's all I need to say by way of welcome, other than we're just so glad that you're here. Our call to worship this morning are words from the Christian mystic, Thomas Merton. He says, we are living in the greatest revolution in history, a huge spontaneous upheaval of the entire human race. Not a revolution planned and carried out by any particular party, race or nation, but a deep elemental boiling over of all the intercontradictions that have ever been. This is not something we have chosen, nor is it something we are free to avoid. Let us worship together. And Liz is going to help us all light our chalices together. Liz?
2: I am, and as we prepare to light our chalice, why don't we go around the room for those of us who are leading worship this morning and just say hello so that everybody knows who is here at church with us. So I am the Reverend Liz Weber, so good to see you. I'm just going to call on folks in the order I see you on my screen. Anderson, you're up next. Do you want to unmute and say hello to everybody who's here?
3: Good morning, everyone. I'm missing all of you. And I'm so happy to be here with you this morning.
2: Great. And Adrian.
4: Good Sunday morning to you all.
2: And Howard, we've already said hello to you. Amy, you're next. Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you. Gail? Good morning, everybody. Good to worship with you. Beth. Good morning, everybody. It's
5: great to be here with you this morning. And Eric.
1: Good morning,
2: everyone. And Dawn. Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. How good it is to be together in worship. How good it is to have such a robust team here at First Parish in Concord. If you have a chalice or a candle at home, I invite you to pull that out so that we can light our chalices together all across our communities, all across our country. We light our chalice this morning, knowing that sometimes each of us is in need of healing. And so when we are in that hard place, we especially light a flame of hope for the possibility of healing. And today we light it for ourselves, for each other, and the possibility of healing in our world. Let us join together in our response to our lighting. The words should appear on your screen momentarily. Here they are, and now I need the words on my screen. Ah, O flame of our faith, open our hearts and fill our bodies and souls with persistent strength. Enliven our spirits and engage us deeply in this life of ours, this sacred essential moment now. Beth will lead us in some music.
5: Good morning, everyone. As Howard said, we're embarking on a week that is um, important to the Christian faith, to the Jewish faith, both um, foundational to our Unitarian Universalist faith. And as Liz said, it is good and it is pleasant to be gathered together in worship. So we're beginning our service this morning with a psalm, Psalm 133. Um, and the verse goes, How good and how pleasant it is when people dwell together in unity. And we're going to sing it in honor of Passover coming up. We're going to sing it together in Hebrew. And I think the words will come up in your chat to follow along. The words repeat after me are Hine Matov, Hine Matov, Uma Naim, Uma Naim, Shevet Ahim. Shevet Achim, Gam Yachad, Gam Yahad. Hine ma umanaim, Shevet Achim, Gam Yachad. We'll sing this quite a few times. So you'll have a chance to pick up the tune and the words as we go along. If you know it well already, feel free to sing in a round with me as we go along.
6: Here we go. Here's benutron mana'im eficiq fat in because the meaning of per head it also Gam yachad, hinei matov manaim. Shere tachim gam yachad, hinei matov manaim. Shere tachim gam yachad, hinei matov. He never gamya. He manaim, gamya. manaim, Share the hingam yard. He name <in> a tov. Share <Spanish> the hingam <speaking> yard. <in> he name a tov manaim. <Spanish> Share the hingam yard. <in> he name manaim. <Spanish>
5: How good and how pleasant it is to dwell together. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Beth, for the beautiful music. It's really wonderful to sing along with you, and it really feels like we're right there with you, so thank you very much. So I'm going to do something I've never done before, which is a children's message with a book from afar. So I'm really glad that um, all of the children have joined us today. And this is a story that works for all ages. So um, we'll go through it. What I'm going to be reading is this, uh, part of this little book named Meet Jesus, The Life and Lessons of a Beloved Teacher. And it was written by Lynn Tuttle Gurney, and the illustrations are by Jane Contine Morgan. And I picked it up at General Assembly a few years ago, and I think it's just perfect for this morning. So what I'll do is I will read it and we'll see how this goes and then I'll zoom in on the pictures so that we can all see. This is the story of Jesus, a beloved teacher. Although he lived a long time ago, his lessons of love and kindness still bring hope and joy to people all over the world. Jesus was born more than 2000 years ago in a land called Israel. He grew up in the town of Nazareth with his brothers and sisters and their parents, Mary and Joseph. Joseph was a carpenter. He taught Jesus how to shape rough wooden logs into sturdy beams for building homes. He showed Jesus how to make plows and shovels that were straight and strong and he helped Jesus craft tables and chairs and cups and bowls that were both beautiful and useful. Joseph and Mary raised Jesus in the tradition of their Jewish faith. Jesus learned to read the Torah and sacred books that Jewish people believe are inspired by God. As Jesus and Joseph worked side by side in the carpentry shop They talked about religion. Jesus felt a strong connection to God. He began to sense that God had called him to bring people a new message of love and forgiveness. Every year, Jesus's family celebrated the Jewish holiday of Passover in the city of Jerusalem, the center of Jewish life. Jesus loved to sit among the teachers at the great temple, listening to their lively conversations. He was very curious and asked many questions. The teachers were amazed at how much he understood. When he grew up, Jesus began to travel the countryside and tell people his ideas about living together in peace and harmony. Soon crowds gathered to hear him preach. People who were sick often came to him, and he helped them feel better. News of Jesus as a healer and teacher spread. Jesus did not do this work alone. A group of men and women traveled with him. He chose 12 friends, called disciples to help him teach his ideas to others. Come, follow me, he said to the disciples. Together, they walked from village to village, sharing their new ideas with anyone who wanted to listen. Mothers and fathers brought their sons and daughters to meet Jesus. At first, the disciples waved them away, worried that the children would bother Jesus. But Jesus gathered the children around him and he blessed them and said, let the little children come to me. Jesus believed that we should love everyone, even people who aren't our friends. Treat everyone the way you would like them to treat you, he taught. Love your neighbor, as much as you love yourself. As he went from village to village, Jesus reached out to help sick people get well and to feed those who were hungry. He treated everyone with the same kindness, men and women, Jews and non-Jews, rich and poor, good and bad. By now, Jesus had many followers, but not everyone was happy about it. The leaders in Jerusalem noticed the big crowds that gathered wherever Jesus spoke. They wondered if the people might quit turning to them for advice and stop following their rules and traditions. Once the disciples knew that the leaders disapproved of Jesus, they were worried When they gathered for their Passover meal that year, Jesus blessed the bread and wine and gave thanks to God. May peace be with you, he said to the disciples. Jesus asked them to remember him and his lessons no matter what happened. Today this meal is known as the Last Supper. Some people share bread and wine in church as a way to remember it. After the Last Supper, things happened fast. Soldiers arrested Jesus, saying that he was stirring up trouble. In those days, the worst criminals were punished by being nailed on a wooden cross and left to die. Jesus was punished in this terrible way. As Jesus suffered on the cross, his mother Mary and his friends gathered at his side. They knew Jesus had done nothing wrong, and they were filled with sadness. After Jesus died, his followers carried on his teachings and honored his memory. Jesus' message of love and kindness spread throughout the world. And even though this story happened over 2000 years ago, we still remember Jesus, we still talk about him today. We talk about the things that he said and the things that he did but most especially we talk about the ways that he was with other people because he knew that love was the most important thing. And he knew that if we loved all of the people who didn't fit so well into society, then we would actually love everybody. So I think it's really wonderful that we are thinking about Jesus and his teachings and his last week this week because it'll help remind us that this good teacher this wonderful healer who lived a long, long time ago, still speaks to us. Thanks for joining me for the story.
3: Good morning, everyone. So this morning, we are going to be singing this wonderful spiritual call, Guide My Feet As I Run This Race. Guide my feet as I run this race, for I, don't want to run this race in vain. I hope that as you will go throughout your week, this is one of the songs that you can hum to yourself and maybe it will bring you a sense of hope. Please sing with me. Guide my feet while I run this race Guide my feet while I run this race. Guide my feet while I run this race. For I don't want to run this race in vain. Hold me up. Hold me up while I run this race. Hold me up while I run this race. Hold me up while I run this race. For I don't want to run this race in vain. Talk with me. Talk with me while I run this race talk with me while I run this race talk with me while I run this race for I don't want to run this race in vain heal my heart heal my heart While I run this race, heal my heart. While I run this race, heal my heart. While I run this race, for I don't want to run this race in vain, race in vain.
1: Thank you, Anderson. It's really great to sing with you each week. For our reading today, I have chosen a section of the Gospels, this coming from the Gospel of Mark. And it's, it's one of those peculiar stories about Jesus that's got such an interesting uh, way that it turns out. And I want you to listen closely to it. So this is from the second chapter of Mark Mark is the oldest of the gospels, the one written the closest to Jesus' life. And this is from the second verse, verses uh, chapter, verses one through twelve. After a few days of teaching in the countryside, Jesus returned to Capernaum and word got out that he was there. A crowd gathered, jamming the entrance of the house so that no one could get in or out. As Jesus was teaching, a paraplegic was brought to him, carried by four friends. When they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher down to Jesus. Impressed by their bold belief in his power to heal, Jesus said to the paraplegic, son, I forgive your sins. Some religious scholars sitting nearby started whispering among themselves, He can't talk that way. That's blasphemy. God and only God can forgive sins. Hearing them, Jesus knew right away what they were up to and said, Why are you so skeptical? Which is simpler, to say to the paraplegic, I forgive your sins, or to say, get up, take your stretcher and start walking. Well, just so it's clear, Jesus said, I'm authorized to do either or both. Then Jesus looked at the paralyzed man and said, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. And The man did just that, got up, grabbed his stretcher and walked out with everyone there watching him. They all rubbed their eyes incredulous and said, we've never seen anything like this. One of the things that I think keeps me coming back over and over and over to the stories of Jesus's life is the way that he lived is so uh, con. Uh, Contra to society, he tends to say things that confound people, he tends to turn the world upside down. And because of this, the stories about him have lasted all these years. So, as Unitarian Universalists, of course, we have long thought that Jesus was a great teacher and a great healer. And we're a little unsure whether we want to elevate him any higher than that but we would be so much poorer if we didn't, if we actually stopped talking about him. So I wanna look at this message of his, this strange story about him for a minute today. How amazing to have someone whose reputation as a healer go out so far and so wide that people would flock to the house where he was staying, that they would jam the courtyard and that it would be so packed that folks couldn't get in or out. And then this story tells us that a desperate man, a man who could not walk because his legs were paralyzed, shows up carried by four of his friends on a stretcher. And of course, when they get to the courtyard of the house, they can go no further. But they don't give up there. They decide that if you can't get in the doors, why not go in through the roof? And I imagine them climbing up on a back part of the house and making their way over to the room where Jesus was. Who knows what kind of roof it was? It probably had some tiles or some timbers. It doesn't matter for our story at all. The story tells us that the friends were persistent enough that they tore part of the roof open and lowered the man down right in front of the great teacher and healer. Of course, Jesus admired their determination. How could he ignore them at all? Nobody could. To see a man coming down through the ceiling on a stretcher right there. So Jesus knows that this man really believes and really wants to be healed. But he does an unusual thing. He doesn't say to the man what everyone expects. He doesn't just touch his legs and tell him that he's healed. He tells the man that he is forgiven. This is a strange thing for a healer to say. And it causes a little bit of a stir among some of the people that are there, some of the people that have been studying this and think they know a lot about it. They start whispering and they start saying, who is he to forgive sins after all? But then Jesus, of course, lays the question right out in the open to everybody there and to us. Is it easier to say to someone, get up and walk, than it is to say, you are forgiven? What I think is going on here is that Jesus understands that this man's ailments are more than physical, and because his ailments are more than physical, his healing will have to be more than physical, too. He has to be healed in body and in spirit. And then the story has this peculiar end. Jesus essentially says, okay, you want me to say the other? I'll say the other. And he tells the man to get up and to take his stretcher and to walk and the man does this. We are living in a time when lots and lots of people are doing everything they can to heal others. I've been so touched this last week with the footage of doctors and nurses, of all of the staff that work in the hospitals, of EMTs and ambulance drivers, of police officers and firefighters, even down to grocery clerks and folks working in pharmacies. We are all trying to heal people right now. Even those of us who are not on the front lines, those of us who are staying home because We'd like to go somewhere, we'd like to do something, but we know that the way that we can help heal people is to stay away from other folks for a time. It's clear what is needed in this moment. But I think we would be wise to remember that that's not where Jesus started. He didn't start with the obvious. He says to the man, your sins are forgiven. And in this time when healing is so much needed, we would be wise too to remember that more is needed to heal our country than the physical healing of its people. We as a nation have some spiritual problems. We did not go into this epidemic well-prepared and there are some things in our society which could be labeled downright sinful if we do not work on those at the same time that we work to heal the body, we will be no better prepared the next time a crisis comes. So this morning, I want us to hear this healer and teacher. I want us to remember that he did the unusual thing, said the unusual thing. And when this is all over, when the bodies have been healed, and the dead have been mourned. I want us too, as a people and a nation, to remember that there are sins for which we must be healed and there are systems in our society which must be changed, that there is injustice and inequity, that not all Americans can be healed in the same way, and to remember that as well, and to carry forth that work too so that we all might truly be healed in mind, body, and spirit. In a moment, we're going to hear some music, and a slide will go up on your screen. I would love for you to share in the chat just a brief reflection, five words or less, on this question. What do you need to feel healed? What do you need to feel healed? healed in mind, body and spirit. What do you need? Take a look at some of the things that are written in the chat. So I see love and support from my friends, connection, love, family. I need to serve, to be understood. The voice of God through nature and family, being outside, love around me, connection to spirit to care for others, surprised by unexpected good, not to fear touch, time to slow down, a walk in the woods, a sufficient amount of sleep, love and community to see justice flowing like water, some time to reflect and think. Improved Medicare for all, heart-to-heart connection, peace of mind, love among my neighbors, lots of love showing up here, health care and community for all, connection and love, not to fear, to reach out, a real in-person hug. Who knew how much we would need that? The attitude that we are in this together rest from fear that all are safe, unconditional love, compassion and grace. The list goes on and on and on. I invite you when the service is over to go back through and look at the chat so that you can read all of these together. And now we will hear Gail sing that beautiful song that she was playing. Gail?
2: I invite you into song prayer. With the help of Nick Page's beautiful healing prayer.
7: There are only two words.
0: Sometimes I feel
8: discouraged and think my life's in vain. Without my Holy Spirit,
0: Holy Spirit
8: soul, again and again, we pray.
7: Each Sunday, as a part of our worship service, we have a time of prayer and meditation. And if you would like to be included in our pastoral list, I invite you to email the Reverend Liz Weber. She is our minister for pastoral care. Here's the people in our congregation who have asked to be held by us today and in the week ahead. Susan Page's nephew, Dan Booth, died from cancer at Mass General Hospital on Tuesday morning. His sister, Holly, was allowed to stay with him and she was holding his hand when he passed away. First parish member, Tom Beck, is experiencing complications related to lymphoma. He is being cared for at Emerson Hospital. Tom and Sue Would appreciate cards from us. And now you are invited to speak the names of those who you hold dear. Who are you holding in your mind and your heart this morning? Perhaps someone who is celebrating a great joy, or someone who has a sadness, or who is experiencing difficulty. All ages, I invite you to say those names aloud. Moin and singing. Spirit of life. me in a time of centering prayer and meditation. First, let's take a deep breath, a breath in gratitude for our lives and for this moment. In this sacred moment, let us bring to mind those near to us and around the globe, who are in need of strength this day. For those who suffer, may healing be found. Where there is grief, may the embrace of love bring solace. Where there is struggle, may a good path become clear. Even in the midst of fear and uncertainty, may our hearts open to the beauty and promise of spring that surrounds us. Together, as one human family, held in the interdependent web of life, May our actions be guided by compassion. And together, may we find greater harmony. During our time of shared silence, I invite you, if you wish, to hold a hand over your heart. Or to become aware of your breathing. Blessed be, let us join in singing, find a stillness together.
1: Beth, for that beautiful prayer time. I wanna talk to you just a moment about the ongoing pledge campaign. Soon, Tom Wilson will join us and have a pledge campaign testimonial. But I wanna just reassure you that we are very aware that these are precarious times for all of us. We're aware that there are folks in our congregation who have lost their jobs, who have had their businesses have to close temporarily. Others of us have seen losses in our possible retirement income. And we are all living through a time of great economic uncertainty as well. I just want to assure you that we are not tone deaf to this at all in the slightest. It's just that the annual pledge campaign is coinciding this year with COVID-19. And we're just going to do the best that we can to raise the money that the church will need to run next year. And we need your participation in that in whatever way you can. So always, there is never any arm twisting at First Parish. There is never any hard sell. It is your own generosity that moves you to give what you give. Let us listen to fellow church member Tom Wilson.
9: Good morning. I'm really glad to be with you and and sharing in this service with you. Let me start by telling you a a little story. You've probably heard this before, but I think it bears repeating. There once were three blind people and an elephant. They were asked to describe what does the elephant look like. One said he held the the elephant's ear and said, An elephant is like a big leaf. One felt aside and said, The elephant is like a big curved wall. And the third touched the elephant's trunk and said, The elephant is, is like a big snake. How could this be? Who was right? Hmm, I guess they all were. I tell you this story because it describes my history at First Parish. When I first got involved in First Parish, my kids were in high school and I just lost both of my brothers. I came to First Parish because I wanted something more than a therapist. I was one of those people who sat up in the balcony and didn't stay for coffee hour. I knew a few people and the services were just what I needed then. Several years later, I was asked to try out for one of those Beck plays. It was This Song's For You. Do you remember that? Over the years, I got involved in more plays and a lot of programs and projects like the Oregon Project, the Social Election Council, the Treasurer, the Standing Committee, and more. I found that I discovered my singing voice when I joined the choir. I developed many deep friendships and found an incredible group of the smartest, kindest, and most caring people I have ever known. And most important, I met my wife Martha at one of our church auctions. We got married in the church, surrounded by friends and family. Over the years, I've gotten to know a lot about First Parish. But more important, I found something that is bigger than I ever thought. It is more than a leaf, a wall, or a snake. And in these times of of serious stress and disconnection, I have found comfort and hope. But I am worried now that I that if we don't continue to support First Parish whatever way we can through our pledges, our legacy gifts, and our involvement, it will not be able to provide to others what it has given me. So this is why Martha and I have increased our pledge. We have met the 520 challenge. Since we are closing the direct pledge campaign, if you have pledged, thank you. If you want to increase your pledge because of what our amazing staff have been doing during these times, I encourage you to do so. If you haven't pledged, why not? Why not now? We have pledged an amount that is more than I have ever given to any organization. And you know what? I feel really good about that. And I hope that you can too do the same and continue to feed our elephant, even though most of us are not Republicans, so that it can continue to prosper and do what it does so well for each of us.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Tom. What a great message. If you would like to pledge, it's very easy. All you need to do is go to the First Parish website firstparish.org and right there on the main page there's a little green uh, button that you can click on that says pledge. So take some time this week, think seriously about how much you'd like to give to the church in the coming year and go ahead and make a pledge. We are also taking up an offering every week. It's as easy as texting that that number that will appear on your screen Some folks have had some questions about how to get started on that. It's very simple. You just decide how much you'd like to give. If it's $20, you type 20 in your text and hit send, or 40, or 60, or 100. And if it's the first time that you have done this, then the program will prompt you to set it up with your credit card. So it's very easy. Just type a whole number, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, anything that you want in your text to that number and know that it will come directly to the church. We're also opening the mail every week, and so any pledge checks you'd like to mail in will be received as well. An offering for the good work and witness of First Parish in Concord will now be gratefully received.
4: Good morning, everyone. My themes today are Transforming Hearts and Healing. First, I wanted to note the great success of our initial discussion group meeting for our Transforming Hearts All Congregation training. Thank you so much to the 26 people who participated yesterday morning. I personally felt a warmth and a welcome there that I believe created an increasing trust and authenticity in the way that people were sharing. It was a wonderful beginning, and it clearly showed the transformational promise of this training. So jump on board, register today, start watching the video, and consider inviting youth and older kids in your family. It is a powerful social action. Second, I wanted to invite you all into noticing and then working for the healing of our precious planet. The cleaner air all over the world right now is astonishing. We are witnessing a brief respite and a healing for the Earth from carbon emissions. Now, epidemiologists had forecasted this pandemic, but we never believed it could happen. And that's the case with climate disaster, which will wreck our economies in a much greater way. We have the opportunity right now to bring the lessons of the global pandemic into climate action. Let's transform people's hearts about protecting our planet, our blue boat home, and the health and wellness of everything living upon it. You can explore this new theme online. You can talk with me about it and the environmental team and join the 1130 environmental team meeting today we need to transform parts around this theme too. And we're going to post the link for that meeting. See you there.
2: Thank you, Adrian. As we begin to close our service, I want you to know that there is still so much going on here at church from church in your living room. As Adrian said, there's a social action meeting today at 1130. The Transforming Hearts course continues. For Transforming Hearts, even though it has already started, you are welcome to continue to join in. You can take the webinars just on your own, or if you'd like to process what you're learning with others who are doing the same course, you can join the sharing circle. Just make sure that you've watched the first couple webinars first so that you're ready to go on the same page as folks who have already been participating. The information for those social action meetings, for transforming hearts, for everything is in your first parish weekly, FP weekly email. Make sure that you're paying attention to that email because um, with the possibility of people being trolls more, we're not publishing those links on the website publicly anymore. Look to your email in FP weekly, check your spam filter, If you're not sure if you're getting it, you can contact Sarah Burns, our administrator. Some things that I wanna highlight as well as those we've already mentioned are that there is a weekly drop-in chat, a weekday drop-in chat at one o'clock, Mondays through Fridays until two o'clock. And during that hour, there'll be a staff person or a minister here from First Parish and some fellow parishioners who you can just drop in and say hello to, share how your day is going, share what's on your mind and heart, hear how others are doing and reconnect with your community. There are various pastoral care opportunities. Tomorrow evening, there's an opportunity for people who are essential workers, whether that's working in a medical setting, in a grocery store or somewhere else. If you are an essential worker and that has been stressful, come find space to unload and share your story and hear how others are coping. This week is also Holy Week. As you've heard here at First Parish as Unitarian Universalists, we talk about Jesus as a teacher. We talk about him as a leader. And so whether you are of a Christian persuasion as well as you you, or not, you are welcome to come and remember Jesus's life, his teachings, and the story of his last days. This, being Holy Week, coincides also, though, with Passover in the Jewish tradition and with our monthly open-door service. So just come to church every day. On Tuesday evening, you can come to Open Door, which is a service with lots of story and music and more sharing from our hearts. Bring a chalice and a candle if you have both. On Wednesday afternoon, come to the Exploring Passover session with Rev. Amy Friedman. All ages and backgrounds are welcome to that service. And you'll note that it does not conflict with the evening seder time. Not service, but workshop RE session. On Thursday in the evening, come to the Maundy Thursday service where we will remember Jesus' last supper with his disciples. Again, this is a UU service. You don't need to be Christian. But we will have virtual communion. So have a piece of bread and a cup of wine or grape juice ready. On Friday evening, we will have the Good Friday service, where we remember Jesus' crucifixion and death. We will have an online darkening of the church, so I invite you to sit near a window without lights on and to bring a candle. And then next Sunday is Easter. You can again find all of the information for these things in your FP weekly email, especially the links that you will need to get online. We look forward to seeing you there and in a few minutes after our service closes I invite you to stay on this Zoom webinar and make use of the chat in order to have a virtual coffee hour, an online coffee hour. Make sure when you use the chat you'll be typing your message in and then in that box up at the top there's a little to, and then there's a little gray thing that says perhaps to all participants, to all panelists, all panelists and attendees, or everyone, make sure it says something that you want to send your message to. So all panelists and attendees, or perhaps everyone. Otherwise, you're just sending it to me and Howard and our other staff, but you want to be talking to your fellow congregants, I bet. All right, that was a lot, but there is a, it is a good thing that there's a lot going on. I will look forward to seeing you to chat in a few minutes, and for now, let's sing together.
3: The final song that we are going to be singing is a song called, There is a Bomb in Gilead, and the words are of the following. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin sick soul. Please join me in our final song. There is a balm and Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm and Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged. And think my works same vain. But then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again there is a balm and gilead to make the wounded whole There is a balm And Gilead To heal the sin-sick soul If you cannot preach like Peter If you cannot pray like Paul you can tell the love of jesus and say he died for all there is a bomb and gilead to make the wounded hole, there is a balm, and Gilead, to heal the sin sick soul. Have a great week, everyone.
1: As we go into this Easter week, this Passover week, let us go with this old, old stories, with its familiar characters and hear new things from them. Let us go knowing that we are joined in community even though we cannot touch one another and that we too will be strong, strong enough to get through this, strong enough to heal one another and our planet, strong enough to be together one day soon. Please join in the First Parish Benediction. Go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all beings. Go out into the
0: world in peace.